Hey everyone, my name is Brendan Patrick, and you're listening to the Superlit Podcast. The Superlit Podcast is a podcast pertaining to books about the LGBTQIA community, and this is our 69th episode. In part three of our 69th episode, we are interviewing Paul Kacha, author of Cub. So without further ado, here is episode 69, part three. Hi, I'm Paul Kacha, and you're listening to the Superlit Podcast. Do you want to tell Paul what we decided to do for our 69th episode? Since I've been telling everyone. <laughs> oh, wanna... I was like, what? Is it different than what we've been doing? Uh, oh, yeah, I guess I should talk, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, since it's our special 69th episode, nice, nice, nice. Uh, we're going back and we're interviewing and catching up with all of our favorite people who we've talked to. Yay. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, it's only going to be audio, so don't worry. It's not video or anything. I have to explain that to everyone. Um, <laughs> so you came with this beautiful bedazzled yeah, background. He's so actually, like, like, done. It's mostly because I don't have an idea. Ready and set. Yeah. We set up a studio in the house because it was mm-hmm. just like, you know, a lot of stuff's going on from here, and we have to be on camera, and I have to look professional. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a couple of conferences, and I was just like, well, I need something. Yeah. <laughs> this is my background, messy um, American teenager with wig. 2009 mm-hmm. is the circa of the year that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like that, though. Thank you. Yeah, we've named, well, <laughs> Sophie uh, named my wig Ryan Lasala, so that's just um, where we're at. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't it be bigger for that? Like, more personality? <laughs> she was come. big at one point she's she's been uh stuffed in a uh rolly bag quite a few times she's she's been harassed um so not too big today but um but yes we wanted to like have our our friends come back on and chat with us and we wanted to see if there's like any um like projects or things that you've been working on i know that we've been like messaging about it on twitter i don't know if like you're allowed to talk about anything i can Oh, um, okay. Which, yeah. Let us have it. No, I'm going to tell you everything. But before we start, like <laughs> five minutes before I had to come in and talk to you, mm-hmm. I'm like, I said to my mom, I'm like, make sure everyone's quiet in the house. Like my nephew isn't screaming. My dad isn't screaming. Like, <laughs> and she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm doing an interview. And she's like, who's interviewing you? So I'm like, super lit podcast. She's like, you were on that before. Why would they want you back? And I was like, <laughs> I literally have to be there in five minutes, Mom. Thanks. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> oh my gosh, we were actually really excited that um, so many people said yes to coming back. Why there were only this, like, like the funnest interview. Yeah, you know that's just how we are. <laughs> we're the best. Well, and you're both really smart, so that is like. Oh my god! Thank you for lying to, to me. Back. <laughs> I'm not a good liar, so you know. I think you're both smart. <laughs> Thank you. Sophie will take the compliment. <laughs> I will. 
Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> to, to Mrs. Paul's mom, um, we love having Paul here. You can, you can play that <laughs> clip for her. Let her have it. I'm sure she's one of those mothers who are like, why did I teach him to talk? Like, <laughs> That's my mom. She's, she's wondering why she ever taught me to speak ever. <laughs> she's wishing I was nonverbal at this point. I mean, it would be better, I think, sometimes for her when I, like, my nephew's in Catholic e-school now. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. And they were talking about positioning and orientation, and it was Rainbow Day. So while it was math, I was just laughing the whole time. Oh, they're children. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> My nephew, I, do um, <laughs> I don't think both of them are at Catholic school now, but one of them just got into Catholic school. So it's just like, it's like a very much like mirror imaging of how um, it was for me as a kid too, because I went to Catholic school as well. So did Sophie. I can't believe I didn't know that until last year. Just for one year. I mean, that still means that you were there. <laughs> so like you understand. <laughs> I mean, I went through from, there's two kindergartens in Ontario. So you have junior and senior. So I went from junior kindergarten through to grade 13 in Catholic school. Oh my God. And nine to 13 was an all boys private Catholic school. So that was a lot of fun. But yes, please tell us about the project that you've been working on. (laughs) I know you've been talking to me about it, but I want Sophie to know about it. So I've got two going on. The first one is a book that will release. There's two. Um, there's a high-low that's coming out with a different company, so not Orca. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be with Lorimer, and it's called The Player. Uh-huh. Um, I originally had it titled Puck Buddies, which I thought was a great title, but not for kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> for so, us. You know, when I sign them, I'll just scratch out the title and put in my own again. Yes. There you go, exactly. <laughs> and I think I told you it's um, a gay hockey hookup book. That's mm-hmm. how I pitched it to them, and they took it. <laughs> They were like, so I was, we've got it. Well, they were looking for queer romance and then they read it. They're like, um, it's not really romantic enough. There's not a happy ending that we're really like, we want something sweeter. And uh-huh. you're not exactly sweet. <laughs> and I was like, the editor was amazing. So she could say that to me. But I'm like, yeah, I understand what you mean. <laughs> like, Funny, I get that uh, a lot. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I was just like, I wanted a book about um, two boys that are hockey players after reading this article about hockey being the most homophobic sport in the world. And I'm like, mm-hmm. the most, really? Like, In America, it's all sports. <laughs> well, I was like, looking at it, I'm like, okay, there's no out pro hockey players. Um, mm-hmm. Below pro level there are. And I just... In my head, it didn't compute. So I kept thinking, I'm like, well, what would it be like if there was a kid who was out before he changed teams and he switched teams and he started a purely physical relationship with another teammate? And that's how I went into this. And they're like, Uh we like that. There's not a book like that that we know of where it's just pure physical relationship. And I'm like, okay, that's what I'm doing then. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think I know of any of the like books there's like a physical relationship, but it it like evolves into like a, I guess like a romantic one. I don't think any of the ones that we've read have uh, anything like that. I'm looking at them, I don't think so. I thought it was important. Um, like I love uh, Lev's books. Mm-hmm. I love Jack of Hearts and stuff like that because I think that that kind of pushes boundaries of what makes relationships that kids do exist outside 
Mm. Like, let's get a boyfriend or let's get a girlfriend or let's get Mm -hmm. a partner. Yeah, let's get a puck Um, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, let's get a puck buddy. (laughs) I was going to say, I think the only thing I could think of off the top of my head would be Jack of Hearts for exploring like a more of a physical relationship for a younger Mm -hmm. character yeah and putting less like pressure on it because as much as i love a soppy like we're in love this is it forever Mm -hmm. you're like 17 it's probably actually not it forever i'm sorry Um, that's how i feel (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i love a soppy romance but also i do really like the idea of like no this is just your funsies (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, we're just looking to to have some fun yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) realism is always fun too (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i i can't believe like it's because it's not on my bookshelf i need to get jack of hearts back from you sophie i know well hopefully <laughs> in the next year <laughs> well no hopefully you'll be able to have off soon and yeah just throw it in my car i'll throw it at you yeah you drive by my house and i'll throw it, I'll throw it, at you. <laughs> throw it in my, my back window in my hatchback <laughs> um but that sounds so fun. Yeah, I don't think uh, there is a comic book I used to read, an online comic, not a comic book. It is a physical book now, though. Um, I think it's called Check, Please. It's about like a very, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love I literally that. like have it on my shelf right it's now. It's the only thing I care about in terms of hockey. <laughs> but now some... there will be another thing I'll care about in terms of hockey. There's an organization called the Canadian Children's Book Center here, and they mm-hmm. have up until recently in on their premises they housed like every canadian kids book since the 70s mm-hmm. and now oh, they've wow. put it into a university um because mm-hmm. they had to downsize offices so i went there and their marketing person was just like you've got to read this it's like you'll like it so i'm like i can't read it before i write a book about hockey because yeah, i don't want to write the same book <laughs> yeah no yeah that's the thing like uh like is it that's a good question. Like, is it difficult when you're writing a book to read another book that, like, do you think it would influence you, like, subconsciously? I don't do it for a different reason, which is, mm-hmm. like, I'm a binge writer. So I'll sit for 12 <laughs> to 16 hours a day and I will write if I have a story to tell wow. and just get the draft out. Oh, and okay. Then, like, I'm very, very focused that way. And when I uh-huh. read, I, I'm not 12 to 16 hours, but I'll read a whole book in one sitting. I don't know. I, my friend Katrina has done that behind me. I've been like playing video games. I'll look over. She's like opened one of my books. I'll look over again. She's like at the end and I'm like, it's it's been two hours. How did you do that? And she's like, oh, I just read fast. I'm like, how? <laughs> I'm a me. quick reader, but not that fast. And she's very like, and she like I'll ask her questions or I'll be like, oh yeah, this thing happened in this chapter, and she's like oh yeah, I think that means like this is what's happening. And I'm like, oh, you actually do retain information. I don't, if I read that fast. I don't retain character names when I read that quickly, which is really bad. I don't so retain I usually... character names when I read at the Full speed stop. that I do. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. just period. <laughs> I don't retain people's names, which has become really embarrassing as I meet more people. <laughs> yeah. Are you a, like a facial recognition kind of um, device? No, I have like a really bad one, which is I recognize voice. And oh. that doesn't help you when you have no name or face to connect to. <laughs> Interesting. Yikes. So you're so great like, with podcasts. Yeah, great with podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I definitely heard your voice before, but I have no idea who you are. 
That sounds right. I feel like that might be part of something that's happening with me. I remember faces really well. I'm really bad at remembering names. Like, they do not stick mm-hmm. to me unless you work with me. And I have to literally remember your name. Yeah. I have no. a trick for that, which mm. I've been doing. I'm like, hi, I'm Paul. I'm going to forget your name seven times, and then I will remember it. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I'm not joking. <laughs> that <laughs> wasn't a joke, but thank you for yeah. laughing. hmm and they're like, have oh, he's seen- quirky and fun. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> sure. Have you seen House Bunny, the one with Anna Ferris? It's one of my favorites. Okay. So when she's like, Debbie, like to remember the names, I've done that as a joke before. And people are like, are you doing the House Bunny thing? And I'm like, thank you for understanding me <laughs> I'm not just being a creep. Because <laughs> I'm wishing I was Anna Ferris. episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love um, to tell people that the eyes are the nipples of the face. Like, <laughs> I always give her credit, but like, it's such a genius line. I guess, speaking of nudity, what is your, your other book about? So, <laughs> there's no nudity in it, actually. It's quite wholesome. I keep oh, joking. That, that's new. Um, for me. <laughs> wholesome with the W, not without the W. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, no. Sorry. Whoops. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Eric, I got a phone call from him, and, and he's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, what's going on? Why would, like, Eric and I actually know each other going back to my childhood. His mother-in-law was co-workers with my mom. Mm-hmm. So our family sort of knew each other, but he asked for a phone call, and I phoned him. And I'm like, did I do something wrong? Like, what's going on here? And he was like, he's like, I have this idea for a book, and I thought I needed someone queer to consult on it. Mm-hmm. And we got to talking. Um, so it's a story about a 13-year-old boy whose mm-hmm. parents split. Things seem a lot better in the family mm-hmm. after the split. And then his dad reveals that he's come out. Um, oh. But they, they kind of split before that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so his dad does reveal it after the fact. And just in the conversation, he was like, I need a co-writer on this one. And I want you to be the co-writer. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so it's... I have two sports books, so now I'm a butch queen. Yeah. Yeah. She loves That's how sports. That's it works. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you at all the sports bars from now on. I mean, my younger brother's done shows at sports bars where he's just like, they tanked. He's like, you got a bunch of guys coming in after the hockey game, and they do not want to see a queen. Well, it's so <laughs> funny. The bar that I used to perform at in Philly, uh, Taboo, it was a sports bar, um, and now mm-hmm. it's, I don't think it, it's anywhere near a sports bar anymore, because um, it took over the old eye candy location. <laughs> um, but Taboo was definitely, like, a sports bar on the first floor, sports bar, and yeah. then, like, the middle floor where people would perform was, like, definitely, like, the homosexuals agenda was, like, truly evident here. Um and like that it was so funny like some of the queens would go downstairs and like get the guys to come upstairs to like watch the show and it was just like always like so magical to watch like these like really femme and then like very like non like anything queen like go downstairs and be like come upstairs and watch me prance and like these men who like I don't want to say look straight because that's not real but like they looked really butch would come up and just like throw money at them I'm like how are you doing this (laughs) How are you getting this to happen? <laughs> Make these men throw money at me. <laughs> My younger brother just went a different route because he's like, I knew they just wanted to watch sports on all the screens around and mm-hmm. um, they so wanted to eat chicken wings. sports? <laughs> no, well, he's, he 
uses a lot of nude illusions. So <laughs> he already looks mostly naked, although there's a yeah. lot of layers. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I understand that. He said, "Put pour some sugar on me on the <laughs> the open mic system right now." And he's yeah. like, "I'm coyote uglying this. Give me two pitchers of water." Yes. He's like, yes. Because he's um, that kid. <laughs> he he posted. Um, I, it was either I think on your in, uh, Twitter you posted the picture of him as Maleficent. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an amazing paint job. I guess I just like I. You've probably shown me pictures of him before, because um, we talk about his drag often. But like, I guess I just hadn't like seen it or just like there was no recollection of it. And I was like, oh my god, look at the talent! So he is a trained um, sculptor and. Sp- He's trained in makeup, so he can do uh-huh. like beauty through to special effects. Uh-huh. So at Christmas, I will have one of his monsters that sits up on a cupboard, and I'll put a hat on it and poinsettias uh-huh. in its fangs. And uh-huh. um, I usually so cool. put a picture up. Yeah, I love that monster. His name is Bert. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing um, co volley. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the volleyball like sticky wow, note people I love them. <laughs> yeah they're so good i truly truly have been loving them that was just a lot of stupidity and my mom's getting a lot of airtime this episode um, <laughs> <laughs> we went into lockdown and i knew she wouldn't find it funny uh-huh. so i took a post and just put a face on a volleyball but like i wanted big eyes like i wanted divine's look like, yeah mm-hmm. exactly i so i showed it to her and she's like you know that's not funny and i'm like yeah i know i knew you wouldn't laugh at it she's like castaway is a terrible movie no one did well in that movie what and she's like at the end they were all miserable and look at what happened to tom hanks and his wife now they were amongst the first people to get this (laughs) i was like (laughs) i love her reasoning on why i'm not funny (laughs) castaway is the reason why tom hanks got covid is what that. your mom just said. I love that your mom's like, you're not funny, and here's the reasons why. All right. And she like pulls out like a whole She just has like a full list and she's like, let me tell you, bitch. <laughs> let me I mean, tell you. You're not funny is better than when she says, Do you think you're funny? Oh, <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> so you think you're really funny. And I'm like, Yikes. I did, but not now. <laughs> also, gay men talking about their mothers. That's so new. <laughs> it's never happened before. <laughs> Not on this podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Um, that's so exciting. And my nephew just loved that stupid volleyball, so I kept it going because every day he would wake up and say to me, like, what are we doing with it today? <laughs> oh, I love that. Tell me about the volleyball. <laughs> and he named her Petunia, which I'm like, I hate that name, but fine. You call her what you want. <laughs> <laughs> this is your volleyball? I'll let you name this one, Petunia. It actually belongs to the dogs, and they're really ticked off at me because they just looked in there like, when are we getting that back? When the <laughs> fuck are we getting the Get volleyball back? Get your toy back, back now, please. I'm trying to play some volleyball <laughs> with the dog <laughs> next door. Is there like a specific release date for the, the two books, or is like the one not like have one yet? I don't, what's the deal? The player will come out in February 2021. Um, Things have been changing a lot in publishing with the pandemic, so I'm hoping it comes out February 2021. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And the other one, there just isn't a date yet. Uh, It's in with the editor right now. Um, She's great. She's the editor who did Cub, and Mm. she's really insightful and really smart. Yeah. So. So we'll see. That's great. I, I'm hoping that the player comes out because I would love to read it. It sounds like a fun romp. 
you know, there's some extra pages I might slip into yours of the scenes. They're like, that might be a bit too much for a teen audience. Like we have a lot of 13 year old readers. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> Whatever you're planning on doing, I need it. <laughs> I'm picking really up my feel, microphone and telling you. <laughs> really feel bad for that editor. Cause she did get a phone call from me one day that was, um, we need to talk about the anal sex scene. <laughs> that what was about the whole... it? <laughs> Is there not enough like, lube? What, what's up? <laughs> I was like, if I'm going to write it, like, I'm fine to tone down detail, but I'm not yeah. taking out condoms and I'm not taking out lube and I will cut the scene before I do that. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'm like, you know, I can live without an enema. Like, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel like most people can, but you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, these are my standards here if I'm going to keep the scene in the book. I, I think that's important. Um, something that I really like when I'm reading it, like say a comic that's like an adult comic that has like a scene if they do like follow through with it, if they like, there is like a condom that is very visible. I think it's really important, um, especially for young people to see that like you should be using a condom. Um, And I feel like that's something that's like never spoken about in obviously in in YA, it's not necessarily like a thing that necessarily pops up all the way, if you will. Um, They're not, uh, we haven't had like a, I don't want to say like a graphic sex scene, but like a sex scene that is like a a sex scene. Um, maybe in Jack, I'm I was going to say in camp. Yes, in camp, um, mm-hmm. there's conversation about condoms and lube like every other chapter. Because the right. camp counselors I think Lev like, was very, yeah. yeah, Lev is very careful in the same way mm-hmm. where he made sure that for scenes that are more adult, it's like, okay, but this mm-hmm. is how you do it correctly this person is like has to be aware of what's happening you know yes. like everyone gets ready like it's mm-hmm. not just like a here we go same um, sex is very it's this isn't yeah. uh broke back mountain all right i need yeah. to go to bed i love all of you but i need to go to bed. <laughs> you're just like we have to stop talking please. i have to stop talking about malachi <laughs> i'll be back in december for a carly ray fan yes. cast <laughs> oh, we will talk, we'll go we'll go into a full discussion about her Christmas singles. We'll start with mittens and we'll go forward. Perfect. Here mittens, I always start slippers. after Remembrance Day. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, as much as I love Mariah, I'm not busting her out for another week. No, I can't. She's been making videos and she's like, we need to get through November 1st. Like, please stop everyone. Please, please. I'm begging. When the queen of the holiday says to stop, that means you, you have to. Mm-hmm. You must listen. Yeah, you have to listen to Mariah. All right. Love y'all. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Hey, Shadow, can you introduce our next guest? You muted yourself. <laughs> Shadow, Shadow like, muted me, Shadow actually. Shadow was like, get this bitch off the computer. <laughs> She's like, is that Brendan? Hang up on him. <laughs> <laughs> to close out our special episode 69, nice. This is Tom Ryan, author of Keep This to Yourself and Friend of All Ghosts. Is that, what's that good yeah, or I bad? Think, I think that's, that's it. Hi, this is Tom Ryan, and you're listening to Superlit Podcast. We wanted to um, have you back on because we know that you have uh, a book that just came out at the beginning of October. Mm-hmm. October 6th. Yeah. And um, I have my little arc right here. We Yeah. Um, could you tell us a little bit about it? This is just like a little quick episode guy. So yeah. That would be fun. Um, so I hope you're listening is my second mystery after Keep This to Yourself. And when I wrote Keep This to Yourself, I enjoyed writing a mystery so much that I immediately started writing another one when I, when I finished. And um, for anyone who's read Keep This to Yourself, it's really quite dark. I think it has you know, a relatively hopeful ending, but it's, it gets into some deep, dark places. And 
I wanted to write something that didn't have quite those um, super oppressive, dark overtones. And so I will say that I hope you're listening well. It is a mystery and there, you know, there are some, you know, the, the characters have deep, dark secrets in their past. I think it's overall more of a hopeful book. And basically it's the story of Dee, Delia Skinner, who is 17. And she is, um, she lives in a small town in the Midwest and she um, has, been dealing since she was a kid with this sort of uh, survivor's guilt from a situation that happened when she was uh, eight years old. And she and her best friend were playing in the woods behind their house. And her best friend, Sibby, was kidnapped in front of Dee's eyes. And Dee was the only witness to that uh, crime. And she was unable to give the authorities any um, info that would help them find Sibby. So it's 10 years later and Sibby has never turned up. The case is still cold. And, uh, you know, Dee has, although she was just a kid, she places a lot of guilt on her shoulders for this situation. And it, as a way of kind of dealing with that guilt, she decides to start um, a podcast, which she calls Radio Silent. And she disguises her voice. It's completely anonymous. And the premise of the podcast is it's uh, missing people, trying to find missing people, trying to reunite people with their missing loved ones. And it's Dee's way of trying to, you know, make amends for the fact that she, you know, rightly or wrongly feels like she was responsible for the fact that Sibby is still missing. So at the beginning of the book, Dee has had this uh, podcast for about a year and it's become really surprisingly successful. And it's actually helped reunite a few people with their uh, missing loved ones. And uh, she's very content to have this secret. Um, she feels like she's kind of doing something. She's taking charge and um, life is just kind of going on as normal. And another young girl uh, goes missing in her old neighborhood where she was living when her friend was kidnapped. And uh, not only that, but the new young girl, um, Layla, who goes missing, is actually was living in Dee's old house. And so this brings up a whole lot of memories. It brings kind of the missing persons thing a lot closer to home that she's comfortable with. And um, in the middle of this sort of chaos that kind of unfolds after the second disappearance, uh, Dee gets an email from somebody that suggests to her that um, the two cases are related and that Sibby is still alive out there. So Dee has to decide whether she's willing to risk her anonymity and um, you know her kind of carefully cultured, uh, cultivated uh, safe space to go out and try and find Layla and to begin digging back into her best friend's disappearance. And things kind of unfold from there. Oh my god, <laughs> that was a really long description. I, that I, was I, wild. <laughs> I need to work on my uh, elevator pitch because I just started talking and then like, and then this happened and then that happened. I would have pressed stop on that elevator and like continue, please. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah, so it's a, you know, I, I, it was a, it's a very different book from Keep This to Yourself, but I've been really pleased with some of the reader response so far. Um, a lot of people have said that they picked it up because they like Keep This to Yourself and that they were not let down. So that's, you know, that's about the best praise that I could hope for. So, you know, when, I'm, when you put a mystery out there, you want to create sort of a puzzle, a logic puzzle, and give people just enough info that they can sort of try and work their way to the end. But ultimately, mm -hmm. you want to try and surprise people. So... Hopefully I accomplish that. I can't wait to read this. <laughs> I, um, when we were planning our, like this episode, 
I was like, okay, we have to talk to Tom. He has a new book that's come out either like right before um, the episode comes out or afterwards. And um, I'm so excited we get to talk to you about this because it sounds so interesting. And I've been like holding off reading it. I wanted to talk to you about it. It's, it's spoopy. It's, uh, it's a good book for this time of year, I think. Mm-hmm. I feel like Keep This to Yourself was a classic beach mystery. Uh-huh. And this is more of a, a autumnal fall winter mystery so mm-hmm. good time to pick it up yeah do you um so is there anything like around this time of year like we had been asking some of the authors like what are their favorite like halloween spooky movies to watch um is there anything like around the fall time of year that like you do to like get in the mood for fall that's like spooky uh yeah so <laughs> you talk to the ghost my... that lives in your house yeah this is my season i live in a haunted house um supposedly haunted house i haven't seen any ghosts but um my dog i'm pretty sure has seen some ghosts because there's sometimes when i go to leave and he's not cool with it he's very quite upset and there actually are really lots of stories about our house being haunted it's really old it's almost 150 years old Mm -hmm. it's in the middle of i think we spoke about uh about it when we uh last when you last interviewed me but Mm -hmm. it's a really remote house in the country and it has a lot of history and it really is creepy. It's a great, we love it, but it's it's quite creepy. It's on a very desolate, <laughs> remote winding road. We're the last house on the road surrounded mm-hmm. by the forest. And, but I love that. I love this time of year and I love the leaves changing and I watch as many spooky movies as I can. I like um, the classic horror movies. I'm not into slasher films. Mm-hmm. I like the old slasher films like Friday the 13th and Halloween, but I'm not really mm-hmm. into horror. Yeah. And it's just not my thing. Uh, yeah. But I like suspense, like anything from The Shining through to The Conjuring. I love The Conjuring. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> spooky movies, spooky books, you name it. Pumpkins, uh, walks through the forest. I'm into, I, I wish it was like this 12 months a year. It's my favorite time of year. Yeah. <laughs> if it would always be fall, like I, I don't normally like when it's like rainy like it is today, but I like at the same time, I'm like, I don't really mind. This is like, I'm a, I'm a very like suede person. I really love wearing like jackets and suede stuff. So this is like the perfect time of year because I finally feel like I'm not melting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time I think I bought sandals for the beach instead of having like a pair of boots on. Well, like, yeah. Going to the beach with Brendan waiting 20 minutes for him to retie his sneakers before we like leave. <laughs> A mess. Wearing Love full it. Converse to the beach. The yeah, shame. you know, as you do. <laughs> um, how's the pumpkin spice dog doing? He's great. He's twelve. He's almost twelve. He's a little oh. old man, but he's so he's so cute. This is his season too. We go out every morning for a long hike up the the mountain behind our house, and he loves it. So he's oh rolling in the leaves and you know sniffing down every wild animal that that has uh, come close to us. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's doing great. I see still like being a dog model because I feel like every time I see a picture, it's like oh, I didn't <laughs> yeah, see you there. That's because I have. <laughs> 33,000 photos of him on my phone. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, how you do you know, it, yeah. All, from the moment I wake up in the morning till the time I go to bed, I'm taking pictures of that dog. So a few of them are bound to look great. Oh, man. So do you have any questions for Tom? I feel like I, I'm just like controlling the conversation. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're okay. Um, well, it's technically November, but it's always Halloween in my heart. So do you have a specific... I know you said The Conjuring, but do you have recommendations for a Halloween movie? What's your like top What's your favorite Halloween movie? 
How about that? Ooh. If you can pick oh, a favorite. My favorite is, that's a tough question. Um, well, I love The Shining. I keep coming back to The Shining. And it's funny because Stephen King doesn't like the movie version of The Shining. And I love Great. the book and I love the movie. And I think mm -hmm. what I like about them both, and maybe he's just so close to the material that he doesn't, he's not able to get past this, but I like a, an adaptation that really kind of works out from the essence and the spirit of the book, but then makes it its own thing. And I feel like The Shining is a really great example of that. It, mm -hmm. it took everything that made the book great and worked from that as kind of a, a foundation and then and then added so much more. So I would say The Shining's probably, it's in my top, top few, absolutely. I love Halloween. I think it's really well done and mm -hmm. it's kind of a classic, you know, it set up so many trends and conventions that are still in play today. I watched Phantasm last week for the first time and I've never seen it, but I'm into anything that's kind of 70s, 80s. And um, it's such a weird, wild movie and uh, different from any other kind of horror movie that I've seen. So I would recommend that one as well. Ooh. What about you, seen... you? What about you two? <laughs> oh, I got to think about it for a second. I'm in the same boat because I don't like slasher movies but i do the classics are kind of mm -hmm. they're really good so i really like like the scream franchise but yeah. that's like the only like slasher movies but i think they're so good because they came later so they're like very meta and they like play with the fact that they know that they're a slasher movie so, so it meta. works very well um I recently just made my my roommate watch both Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day Two because oh, yeah. those are also very good. Like it knows it's like a horror movie mm -hmm. and it plays with that very well. And it's like a good balance of like horror comedy, like kind of campiness, which I always really like. I have not seen those. I'm just well, checking out. I would recommend. They're it's very fun. I. As a kid, my friends who are like five years older than me, um, I guess like Scream had just come out on VHS. So like they made <laughs> me watch that and I was like way too young to be watching that. Oh no. Um, so like that's just like what I think of for horror movies. It's it is like a very good movie, but it's like very like that's like too almost too much gore for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like Drew Barrymore, like who she is as a person. <laughs> Just being like completely perfect. Yeah, she's just like a sweet sunshine woman. Yeah, um, I'm like I hate. I'm like always like I don't like slasher movies and I don't really like gratuitous gore, but I love the scream movies, which are yeah. like the antithesis. <laughs> so it's like I think they're just they're just funny enough, and there's so much inside humor that mm -hmm. that kind of helps you remove it. It doesn't feel quite as immediate as some of these really kind of gruesome, gory movies. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, um, they're in the nice pocket of the like 90s or early 2000s too before mm -hmm. like as much as i love like special effects and stuff before people got like really into making like gore look realistic it was just yeah, kind of like much. oh this person has like red all over their body yeah. it's not like <laughs> yeah. oh i can see their insides yeah <laughs> i actually um, watched friday the 13th last night for the first time um with friends and it was you know it was really fun and i think because it's so old and it feels dated and the people are all, you know, they all have feathery hair and, you know, that kind of 70s bell-bottom pants and stuff. It's it's easy to kind of step away. And then the special effects are also so clearly done with, you know, fake blood. And mm -hmm. at the time, they were probably pretty convincing. But now, compared to the stuff that you, you watch, it, it 
it, oh, yeah. it's quite clearly fake, so it's easy to not be spooked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you like The Shining. Um, I know that Doctor Sleep just came out. I didn't know that that was a follow-up to that mm-hmm. um, in yeah, terms of the book. Um, did you watch the movie? Yeah, I haven't read the book yet. Um, I'd like to. I actually really liked the movie. I thought it was great. And I thought uh, Ewan McGregor was well cast. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it wasn't, it isn't as good as The Shining, but it's just, in, it's just enough of its own thing um, while also kind of, you know, being an homage, especially the last, I don't want to give anything away, but there are parts of it towards the end that really kind of bring you back into that world of The Shining that I think they, they did a really good job. I thought it was really entertaining. Mm-hmm. Well done. Yeah, I feel like I, I, we have like three or four, it's like three to four to five copies of uh, Doctor Sleep in my house. I don't know why. Um, I feel like they just, just keep, keep appearing. Them. Yeah, the, my mom's just like, oh, I haven't read this yet. Um, she's really out here supporting Stephen King. Um, oh, no. He needs it. That guy really needs a few bucks in his pocket. I think he's yeah, going to hit it big soon. I think he's about to break, really. So yeah. I hope so. Yeah, he's struggling he's been, for a while. He's been working for a while. I think he'll finally get through. <laughs> <laughs> um, i've never read the shine actually i've never read any of stephen king's books because uh he terrifies me um <laughs> i've like the only writing of his i've read are his like essays about writing and like his like anal- analysis of things and like those were, were written well enough and i've seen some of the movies and i'm like i feel like if i read his books i'll never sleep again i feel like maybe but also like I want to read The Shining and I want to read Dr. Sleep. So maybe I'll just scare myself. <laughs> it, it is really good. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it's because I'm a, I'm just of that age where I think I, it came out when I was nine. And oh. um, because I'm an old man and uh, I think I read it when I was maybe 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It was clearly <laughs> not something I should have been reading. I mean, first of all, it's like 3,000 pages. It's so, yeah. yeah, it's so long. It's really dark. And there's some very questionable stuff that I was happy they changed for the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But still, I remember reading it. And it was that kind of thing where like a lot of the kids in my class were passing it around. They would steal it from their older brothers or their sisters or whatever. And uh, I think probably that was the book that got me into horror and thrillers. Uh, mm. So yeah, I recommend Stephen King's great. He says some stupid stuff online sometimes, but I feel like his heart's in the right place. I don't know, maybe that's giving him too much credit. <laughs> but on writing, it's also if you want to, I, my favorite book about the writing process is his book on writing, which I think is just amazing. Love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I just started um, watching the Castle Rock series, which is like an amalgamation of his work, like put together um, in the same like town. Um, so it's almost like a weird anthology series, but it, like it has characters, like it had the woman from Misery was like the lead character for this season, but um, Salem's Lot was also part of it. Ooh. So it was like a whole bunch of like vampires, but also like <laughs> the people from Misery, <laughs> but the author that's in that um, shows up. It's just like a very weird like series. Um, I like that. Cool. That sounds great. Yeah. I actually, this is just a shameless plug, I directed a short horror film this summer that will mm-hmm. be coming out. It's, I mean, coming out, it, <laughs> coming to a cinema near you. It will be released <laughs> online sometime in the new year. Ooh. And uh, it was a lot of fun. We actually uh, filmed it in the, my spooky house. And um, 
and it was loads of fun and I don't want to give anything too much uh, away but it's about two young girls who become friends when one of them is on summer vacation and then things become very weird and sinister and strange so it's called Jenny stay tuned it'll be on my social media accounts I'm so excited I didn't know that you filmed it in your your spooky house yeah, I mean, part of it was filmed there, and part of it was filmed. There's a, a one one abandoned farmhouse farther up the road from us, and that's mm. really the last house. And it's the scariest, creepiest house you've ever seen. The roof is caving in, and mm. we shot part of it there. We got permission from the owners to go up and go inside, and it is <laughs> pretty nuts. So there's some great footage in that house as well. It was fun. It was really great to do it this year during COVID because we had – like I we're in a pretty good situation in Nova Scotia and our numbers have been kept low and the government really jumped on top of things early. And so we were in a position where we could do something like that. And we all felt really grateful and fortunate. And um, it was just interesting and, and fun and neat for me to do something different from writing, which is very solitary. And I mean, writing becomes people become involved like your agent and your editor. And then when you're promoting stuff, obviously you're talking to people and stuff, but when you're working on a film, you are working with a whole lot of people all the time and mm -hmm. to tell a story, which is, you know, that's the similarity to writing. And um, it was great. We loved it. We had great, we cast locally and we kind of did an online casting call and people sent us, we had 110 people auditioned online and oh, wow. we got some, the, the two girls who played the two main characters were uh, incredible and neither of them had really acted before. So we were really lucky to get them. And I'm working with a composer now, which is another interesting thing that I've never done before. So yeah, it was great. That's so cool. I can't wait to see it. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I'll be, I'll be yelling about it more once it's finished. We're, we're mm -hmm. editing it now. And then when the edit is done, which will be soon, it goes off to the composer and then we do our final tweaks. And so we're hoping sometime, we probably won't release it in the run up to Christmas time mm. because that doesn't <laughs> seem like an appropriate time to release it. <laughs> uh, but in January, February, when everyone's kind of, you know, hiding inside and locked down, we, we think that might be a good time to put something fun out for people to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's so great to hear about. I was wondering what that was for because um, I didn't, I know that you had like posted stuff about it. I don't know why in my brain I thought it was claymation. I don't know how I Well, I did do it. That's because I, I used to work in film and the only other film I've ever directed was a claymation ghost story. So easily oh, confused. <laughs> yeah. That was almost 20, 20, 17 years ago. So we can believe it. Oh um, and so that was a totally different experience, but this mm -hmm. was, you know, live action with actors and sets and stuff. So it was pretty, pretty great time. That's great. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting to hear about. I don't think I, I know. Um, originally you said that you had like a time crunch, but I don't necessarily have like anything else I need to, that I, like is popping into my mind to talk to you about. Do you have anything, Sophie? No, I don't think so. Just like a, a nice catch up. I'm excited for the book that just came out and I'm also very excited for this movie too. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> listen, please let me know when, uh, what you think of the book when you read it. Uh, mm -hmm. If you like it, if you don't like it, just don't say anything. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I'd love to come back on next year. I have another book coming out next year that I co-wrote with my friend Robin Stevenson. Yes. It's a very queer, very Canadian uh, road trip novel called When You Get the Chance. And that mm -hmm. was supposed to come out this year, but it was okay. delayed because of COVID. I actually have my author's copies, the finished hardcovers and everything. But they called us a month 
so it was mid-April. It was supposed to come out May 7th. Mm-hmm. And right. our editor called us in, in uh, mid-April and said, listen, you can't do any promotions. Um, we really want this book to, they want, wanted us to spend some time at Pride festivals. So we were going mm-hmm. to launch it at Toronto Pride because a really important part of the, the uh, really it centers on two teen cousins who are trying to make their way to Toronto Pride Festival. And um, because of COVID, it was all shut down and we couldn't do that. So they asked, long story short, they asked us if we would be willing to wait and uh, release it next year instead. And we were totally into that. So mm-hmm. next spring, if you guys have an opening, um, Robin and I would love to come on and talk to you about, about that. We would Ooh, love that. that. So fun. Yes. yes. Oh, We've been, uh, I, I was super sad to hear about that, but I know that like, it just mm-hmm. this year just wasn't right for most things. <laughs> it's a tough year to release a book. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great. I think by the time I hope you're listening came out, people had kind of adjusted. So I've done a lot of online panels and and podcast interviews and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. it's just tough. I feel really bad for debuts this year because um, yeah. you know a lot of people have. I mean, you think of um, uh, Adam Sass, for instance, who is just the kind of the master of of uh online promotions and he's really great at he's got a real uh great work ethic and he does a lot of stuff online i think you did you interview him Mm, you did yeah yeah he's really made the most of it despite it being a difficult year but you know he and a few other friends of mine had to release their debuts during this tough year and i you know i hope that we're all doing our best to kind of you know push and promote them because like it must be tough i mean i've been around the block a while i've been doing this for a few years so you know, it was difficult to release a book, but it wasn't the end of the world. But debuts especially, mm-hmm. it's such an exciting time. And to have it dampened by this is not, not great. But yeah, yeah. I think too, yeah, the difference <laughs> yeah. between releasing in May and releasing in October this year is just going to, yeah. yeah, what you it's said. Because I think it took us, I mean, we're still, it's, it's still wild, but I think people have definitely at least become accustomed to normalizing more just like online yeah. stuff, especially like older generations, I think are finally like, okay. Cause I feel like the younger kids are like, at me, older no, no, strike at my parents. Um, no, just, it's Americans. Let's just be honest. It's here. Americans. Uh, but I feel like there was a lot more uh, like rebuttal of, cause like, I don't know kids these days are just on their phones all the time anyway so what do they care you know whatever yeah. um <laughs> yeah. but We've like adjusted. yeah professionally just like uh publishers and stuff like that that's definitely has to be like a hard jump to move to totally online so. yeah i think the advantage of it is that people if you release your if you have a book launch in the real world then really you're restricted to whoever is within driving distance to get mm-hmm. there and it's really fun to have an uh, having a, a real live book launch is a wonderful experience. But these the shift to online launches meant that a lot of people it was more accessible to a lot of people, which I think had its own you know silver lining. So yeah, yeah. I think but, especially for your, like younger queer kids too, who yeah. maybe don't have like the ability to go places just because they maybe aren't out or just like they're just so young they can't drive places to be able to yeah. just be online in their room like in a safe space mm-hmm. and still be like a part of stuff like that yeah 100 percent. very good silver lining yes <laughs> but um i think that's all we have for you tom um mm-hmm. well this was really fun thank you so much for having me back on i always like to chat and chat oh my yeah. gosh of course it was so nice to finally uh, catch up time. with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Next time, um, uh, hopefully Robin can come on with me and we'll do like a, a joint interview. Yeah, that would be, so that would be great. But, uh, yeah, we will, um, we'll talk to you later then. That sounds great. Okay. I'll be listening. All right, bye. <laughs> Thanks, bye. Take care. My name is Brendan Patrick. And I'm Sophie. And you've been listening to a very special episode of the Superlit Podcast. <laughs>